There it is. There it is. If it stays fair, there it is. Number 60. How about that? A standing ovation for Roger Maris, who got number 60. Fastball hits deep to right. It's Hello, everyone, and welcome to Baseball 61, a podcast about the historic 1961 New York Yankees and the Major League Baseball season of 1961. This is Episode 3. I'm Dan Lavallo. We pick up on Saturday, April the 15th. Up until this point, the Yankees have played just one game opening day, weather wreaking havoc on the schedule. But finally, they play game two, and it's against the Kansas City Athletics on a cold afternoon at Yankee Stadium. But in front of a paid crowd of 11,802, the Yankees beat the Kansas City Athletics 5-3 to to even their record at 1-1. One one. Bud Daly was victimized by the Yankees. By June 15th, Bud Daly would be a Yankee. Bobby Richardson had a single and two runs battered in for the Bombers, who managed just six hits. Cleet Boyer and winning pitcher Bob Turley each had an RBI. Muscarin had two hits and scored a run. As for Turley, he was pitching a shutout into the eighth inning, and then he was chased after giving up three runs. A lot of interesting side notes in this game, and you wouldn't think so. In a game played on April the 15th of a new baseball season, Joe Collins was the manager of Kansas City. The same Joe Collins who was a star second baseman for the Yankees and was posthumously elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Future Yankees and Kansas City Royals manager Dick Hauser was a rookie playing shortstop for the Athletics. The catcher in that game for Kansas City was Haywood Sullivan, who would later go on to be part owner of the Boston Red Sox. Another former Yankee and future New York Mets Folk hero Marv Throneberry played first base for the A's, and Norm Seaburn, another former Yankee, played left field and knocked in a run. The right fielder for the Athletics in that game was Leo Posada. Perhaps you heard of his nephew, Jorge Posada, who would one day go on to catch for the New York Yankees. Also appearing in the game as a relief pitcher with Kansas City was Bill Kunkel. He would go on and pitch briefly for the Yankees and later become a major league umpire in the American League. Rumors were swirling that the Yankees and Athletics were about to make another trade. Remember, Kansas City used to be considered the Yankees' quote-unquote farm club. At one point, the Yankees did have a farm team in Kansas City, but then when the Athletics moved from Philadelphia to Kansas City, It seemed as if the Yankees and Kansas City were also engineering trades with the Yankees getting the better end of the deal. There have been books written about this, but we'll save that for those books. Anyway, rumors were swirling that the Yankees and Athletics were about to make another trade, but Kansas City general manager Frank Lane did not make the trip, so the rumors died down. However, manager Joe Gordon did add some intrigue, saying, quote, in view of the fact The Yankees keep yammering they want to make a deal, but insist all that's offered in return is junk. We stand ready to make this offer. We'll trade any 25 on our roster for any 25 on theirs. (laughs) Sunday, 
April 16th. Yankees in Kansas City rained out at Yankee Stadium. Manager Ralph Falk saying, quote, there is no denying the weather is raising plain hell with our pitchers. Rumors continue to swirl about the Yankees making trades, leading Hauk to remark there was no cause for concern despite, quote, frantic efforts on the part of everybody to make deals for us. Yes, the media coverage of the Yankees in 1961 was just as intense as it is today. Here's how, quote, sure, we'll make a deal. But so far, nothing even remotely attractive has been offered. Here's a sample of what's going on. Lane, meaning Frank Lane, Lane pops off, we want his best, and offers nothing. Well, what do you suppose he offered us for Ryan Duran? Bill Kunkel, a minor league pitcher who won eight games last year and lost 19. I wonder if Kunkel remembered that quote not only when he joined the Yankees, but later when he was umpiring in games involving the Yankees and Ralph Hawk was the manager. Oh, well. By the way, the Chicago White Sox-Detroit Tigers game on that Sunday, April 16th, was also postponed because of a snowstorm in Detroit. And actually, the big news involved the Los Angeles Dodgers pounding the Pittsburgh Pirates 13-6 at the L.A. Coliseum. But it wasn't the score It was the story involving former big league manager and Dodgers coach Leo DeRocher, who had been added to manager Walter Alston's staff in the offseason. He was thrown out of the game for getting into an argument with umpire Jocko Conlon. Now, if you look at the history of DeRocher as a manager, he got into a lot of arguments with umpires, many involving Jocko Conlon. So here's Leo back in uniform, coaching with the Dodgers under Walter Alston, By the way, there have been books written about that relationship. And the season's not even a week old, and he's involved in a brouhaha with Conlon. Anyway, here is how the New York Times described this argument. The outburst occurred in the fourth inning after the Dodger first baseman Norm Larker had hit a high pop-up that landed in fair territory between home and first but bounced foul. Conlon, holding that no one had touched it in fair ground, called it a foul. DeRocher. Thumbed to the clubhouse by Conlon after protesting too vigorously, sprinted from the dugout, rushed to Conlon, and kicked up some dirt in front of him. Observers couldn't tell whether Leo's shoe hit Conlon on the bounce, but everybody saw Jocko draw his leg back and land a shoe on Leo's shin. DeRocher, I just kicked dirt on him, and he just kicked me, so I kicked him back. Conlon telling newspaper reporters, I got kicked twice, and so did he. DeRocher threatened to protest if he was suspended. It all depends on what Jocko accuses me of and how long the suspension runs. If I go three days, I wouldn't bother answering him. DeRocher said he was thrown out because he tossed a towel inside the Dodgers' dugout. Quote, I didn't even throw it on the field. I asked Jocko, are you throwing me out for throwing a towel in the dugout, our own dugout? Jocko told me, you can't throw towels. Added DeRocher, I don't think he deliberately kicked me. I think he was trying to kick up dirt too, but we were so close together, he got me. Monday, April 17th, the Yankees in Kansas City made up one of the games from what was supposed to be a Sunday doubleheader. This was now Monday, April 17th. They played that one game. And the Yankees won as Whitey Ford tossed a complete Game 3 hit shutout 
Yankees winning 3-0. Ford walked four, struck out eight, and Mickey Mantle belted his first home run of the season, a two-run shot. He went three for three, adding an RBI single. Mantle's home run on the first pitch to him in the first inning ended an 0-for-7 start to the season. However, the story was not the Mantle-Ford dynamic duo. The story was the attendance. Remember, there was no advance sale. The weather was horrible. And on this chilly day, the Yankees announced a paid crowd of 1,947, the smallest crowd at Yankee Stadium since September 21, 1954, when 1,912 saw the Yankees and Senators play. The slim crowd led Yankees co-owner Dan Topping to remark, quote, A few more days like this and maybe we'll play all our games next year in Fort Lauderdale. Remember, the Yankees were going to be in a new spring training home in 1962, moving from St. Petersburg to Fort Lauderdale. Incidentally, among the guests in this small crowd were two college basketball stars, Jerry Lucas of Ohio State and Gary Thompson of Iowa State. The two were getting ready to depart for Moscow as members of the United States All-Star team making a tour under the guidance of the U.S. State Department. By the way, National League President Warren Giles wasted little time suspending Leo DeRocher, notifying DeRocher by telegram, quote, I am sure you understand that any kind of intentional bodily contact with an umpire during an argument is cause for suspension. So DeRocher did get suspended. Tuesday, April 18th, the new expansion team, the Los Angeles Angels in town, making their first ever visit to Yankee Stadium. Three game series, first game at 2 p.m. And their appearance did get a lot of attention because four Angels had New York connections, beginning with the manager, Bill Rigney, who managed the New York Giants. Former Yankees players on the Angels were outfielder Bob Serve and Ken Hunt and pitcher Eli Gerba. Yankees and Angels, guess what? Didn't play. Rained out. Meaning since the season began on Tuesday, April the 11th, over the first eight days of the season, the Yankees had been rained out on Thursday, Sunday, and now Tuesday. They also had an off day in between, and they did play that exhibition game on Friday, April the 14th at Army. But they were rained out, and so they would try again on Wednesday, April the 19th. Guess what? Yankees rained out again. And that meant the two teams would play a doubleheader, hopefully, on Thursday, April the 20th. Meanwhile, both the Yankees and Angels worked out under the stands, leading Angels manager Bill Rigney to comment, can't really complain now. The season is little more than a week old, and we're still only one game under 500. Angels were off to a 1-2 and two start in their maiden season. Also, an interesting television note. The Yankees' flagship television station, WPIX Channel 11, announced that with a doubleheader on Thursday, April the 20th, they would carry both games, the first game of the Twin Bill live. But because of programming commitments, they would not televise the second game live. They would record it and play it back on Thursday at 8 p.m. They had Yankee Rewind even in 1961, which takes us to Thursday, April 20th. First game of a doubleheader, Yankees and Angels Mickey Mantle slugs two home runs, and the Yankees beat the Halos 7-5. Art Dittmar notches the win, 
as the Yankees defeat former bomber Eli Gerba. Mantle, by the way, had five runs batted in, giving him three homers and eight RBI in two games. Jesse Gonder, who, as I had mentioned in a prior podcast, would go on to play for the Mets. Well, he had two runs battered in for the Yanks. In the second game, the Yankees prevailed 4-2, erupting for three runs in the second inning on a two-run single by eventual winning pitcher Bob Turley and an RBI single by Bobby Richardson. Muscarin knocked in the Yankees' final run. By the way, Bob Turley pitched into the eighth inning to notch the win, but he had to be lifted with two outs in the eighth because he walked nine in the game. Nine. The former Cy Young Award winner, however, was off to a 2-0 start. Even the Yankees co-owner Dan Topping had to be happier. Paid attendance. Now remember, we're talking 1961 here. Paid attendance for the weekday afternoon doubleheader, 7,059. Maybe the Yankees would not move to Fort Lauderdale after all. So here we are. After losing their opener, the Yankees embark on their first road trip of the season with a 4-1 and record tied with Detroit for second place, one half game behind the Minnesota Twins. In the National League, Cincinnati was in first with a 5-3 and record in first by a half game over the Pirates, Giants, and Cardinals with the Dodgers one game back, the Cubs and Milwaukee each a game and a half behind, and the Phillies bringing up the rear two and a half games out of first place. Don't you love April baseball standings? So what was up for the Yankees? Well, they were on their way to Baltimore to begin their first road trip, and that is where we will pick up episode four of our next podcast. Uh, That is going to do it for our latest Baseball 61 podcast. Be sure to follow our podcast in the Apple Podcast Directory, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also visit Baseball61.com. And as always, thank you for listening. I'm Dan Lovato.